You know, sometimes people just have a very hard time believing that someone is who they say that they are. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus, God in the flesh, He came and He dwelt among man. That was a reality that a lot of people had a very hard time understanding. Yeah, He was really smart. And He was very well spoken. He could even do some amazing things. The problem was, amongst it all, he tended to tell people he was the Son of God. <laughs> that didn't set well with the majority of the Jewish people. That seemed like blasphemy. But there was one who truly believed that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. His name was John. He was a fisherman. And over the course of three years, he became very close with Jesus. They worshipped together. They traveled together. They did ministry together. They ate together. They laughed together. They just did life together. And there was a bond. There was a kinship that grew from spending so much time together that John knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. So there was no doubt in John's mind that Jesus was the Son of God. He believed it so much that he wanted other people to believe the same thing. And so John would go on to write the Gospel of John. And toward the end of that gospel, he would write in verse 31 of chapter 20, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Why was it so important for John that other people knew Jesus the way he knew Jesus? Why was it so important for John that other people believed that Jesus Christ was, is, always will be the Son of God? Why was that so important to him that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he would write these words about the life of Christ? It's because John knew that life Real life, you can't have it outside of Christ. John knew that if people really wanted to enjoy joy and peace in this life, if they wanted to know meaning and purpose with their life, if they wanted to really understand that true life doesn't begin until death itself, because there is a hope of life everlasting that's found in Christ and in Christ alone, John knew these things. He believed these things. And he wanted everyone else to know these things as well. John wants everyone to know Jesus, to come to Jesus, to begin to believe that he's the Son of God. And we should too. Look, as a matter of fact, I would encourage you, as we enter into this study together, the Gospel of John, use these next several weeks 
as a wonderful opportunity to invite your friends and your family, neighbors, strangers, whomever, to come and to worship with us. Because the story of Jesus, man, the story of Jesus has been changing lives for centuries. And even for those of us who are believers, maybe we've been believers for a very long time. Tell you what, the story of Jesus Christ, as we go through it, as we look at it, it should just reaffirm our faith. And it should just help us as believers to want to, to do what? To keep on believing and to not get sidetracked or get discouraged, but have that faith in Christ that he wants us to have. Because listen, even in the days that John was writing, there were already people who were trying to, well, they were trying to undermine Jesus, who he was. And in today's world, you know it as well as I do. There are people who claim to be religious teachers. What do they say? They say that Jesus was a really good man. They'll say that he was a really important figure in the course of human history. But you really shouldn't regard him as any more important than anyone else. And we hear those things, and it's so easy for us sometimes to become convinced and deceived by those things. And that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important that we go back to the Word of God and we take time to spend time, even in familiar text, that will hopefully help renew our faith and strengthen our love for God in Christ. Because again, John knew Jesus. He knew that he was so much more than just an important guy. He knew that he was so much more than just an important person in the course of history. And my hope, my, my hope for us as we go through this study together over the next several weeks is that we will really begin to see the greatness of Jesus. Because that's really what John's writing about, by the way. He's wanting to magnify Jesus. He's wanting people to know and to be able to see how great Jesus really is. And that he's more than just some guy on the street. And so as we begin to see that and to understand that, again, our faith, our faith in him should be strengthened and renewed. So let's go back to the very beginning of the Gospel of John together. In John chapter 20, excuse me, John chapter 1, here beginning in verse 1, John would write, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Isn't that powerful? You know, other gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, they spend a lot of time focusing on the physical birth of Jesus. And that's an absolutely amazing story. So beautiful. But John... Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John says, Bethlehem was not the beginning. He's been around a long time before that physical birth in Bethlehem. As a matter of fact, he's always been. He has been here since creation itself. Wow. You want to talk about the greatness of Jesus? You want to talk about that, that greatness being magnified? Knowing that Jesus 
is and will always be, that He always has been, that He was there from, from the very beginning, that He has always been with the Father. Now, now stop here just a moment. This is not saying that Jesus is like God Jr., okay? That He's some lesser God who's been with God forever. There is an equality here between Jesus and the Father. There is a oneness here that is absolutely amazing. An equality that stresses He not only has been here from the beginning, from creation itself, because He's God, He is your Creator as well. John would go on to write, all things were made through Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. You look around at creation, as Tony was calling our minds to just a moment ago, you look around at creation, you look to your own image in the mirror, were it not for Jesus, none of this would be. That Jesus has not only been since creation itself, Jesus was a part of your creation and mine. That He is our Creator. And what a powerful, powerful thing that that is. Again, so, so magnificent. So great. But let's pause here just a moment. Because for those who would have first read this, or maybe heard this Gospel read in an assembly maybe like ours, there may have been people present going, now we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, right? Yeah, I remember it. Joseph and Mary's oldest son. Son of a, son of a carpenter, right? I mean, he grew up a pretty good kid. I remember him. But, you know, I, I even remember him hearing him teach a couple times. He definitely knew the scriptures really well. But listen, if I heard the story right, he died like a common criminal on the cross. That's who you're talking about? That, that Jesus? And John would say, Absolutely. That Jesus. But there's so much more to it than just that. He is so much greater than just that. He can be magnified so much more than that. And that He has been ever since the beginning. And that He is your Creator. I mean, that was God? Growing up in that carpenter's house? You, you mean that was God that we went fishing with a couple of times? You, you mean that was God that, that we saw just kind of growing up here around the Galilee coast? It was God who was with us? Yeah. It was God who dwelt among us. John would go on to write in John 1 and verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Why would He do that? Why would, would God put on flesh and come to this earth? Why would He do that? It's because ultimately God wants to be known by all men. That's why He did it. As a matter of fact, you go down to verse 18. What does it say? 
It says no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus came to this earth. God in the flesh. He came to this earth. The, the greatness of God Himself so that you and I so that all mankind would have a better understanding, a much better understanding of who God is. You know, typically, the more successful, the more powerful that a person is, well, the less access you have to. Listen, if, if you are a part of this congregation, you know, because I have never hid this fact. I'm a really big Alabama fan. And I've been a really big Alabama fan long before Coach Saban came to town. But as big of an Alabama fan as I am, and even though I have, I have more years in the game than Coach Saban of being a Crimson Tiger, you know what? As much as I may want to, I can't pick up the phone tomorrow and call him and say, hey, Coach Saban, let's go to lunch today. And him say, okay, Blake, come on, let's go. Even if I had his number by chance, even if someone here knows it and wants to slip it to me afterwards, that's cool. But I can't call him and just have lunch because he has handlers and he has security and he has people to keep people like me away from him because he's a very busy guy. And I can accept that. But that's not who my God is. My God my God wants to be known by all men. My God doesn't have handlers or security to keep anyone away from Him. My God came to this earth and put on flesh and dwelt among us so that we could have a better idea, a better understanding of exactly who He is. There is no doubt that to some degree, God is, is always going to be a mystery to us. But when Jesus came to this earth, so much of that mystery, well, it began to become known. If you want to know God, the nature of God, know who He is, look to Jesus. All our ideas of who God is should be filtered through our knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. If by chance, you have a, an idea of God in your mind and it doesn't equate with who Jesus is as we see in Scripture. Maybe, maybe you have the wrong impression of who God the Father is. Because Jesus is God. We go back to the text. In Him was life. And the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. The Word. The Word spoke at creation and suddenly there was light in the dark. Jesus Christ came to this earth into a very dark world and suddenly there was light. Suddenly there was hope. There was hope that, that good would always overcome evil. There was hope that if we would walk in the light as He is in the light, that we could find the, the blessing of life everlasting. 
So you see, as Jesus came into this very dark world, he brought with him a great hope, a great life. And who knows better than God? No one. So we listen. We listen to and we follow the will of God. We make up our minds. We decide, I want my will to be God's will. Why? Because I want to make sure that I'm walking on his path, a path that I know is a straight and narrow path, but a path that I know will lead me to everlasting life, a path that only leads through Jesus. I understand that. I understand that we see that in Scripture, and that's what I believe. I want to live in the light. Because you know what I know about this world? If you reject the light, you're going to stay in the darkness. And all you're ever going to find in the darkness is emptiness, loneliness, and ultimately destruction. You don't want that. None of us want that. Jesus does not want that for anyone. That's why he came to this earth. That's why he dwelt among us. And when he came, he supplied. He brought the, the greatest thing that mankind has ever needed. Let's go down to verse, verse 10 and 11. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Sadly, there are still those who would say, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in Jesus. I'm not interested in hope. I'm not interested in the light. Don't be those people. Again, you don't want the end result. You want to walk in that straight and narrow path. You want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You want to walk that path of hope and life. Because on that path of hope and life where Jesus are, on that path is where you're going to find something you need. Something that I need. That's grace. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. Moses brought the law. Let me ask you, how well did the people do keeping the law perfectly? Not real well, did they? Some of them did okay keeping some of what they might consider the, the major laws. But typically where the failure came in was keeping the spirit of the law or the heart of the law. That was what was really missed out on. Like, for example, maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody you work with, maybe somebody you go to school with even, they get on your absolute last nerve. But you wouldn't kill them. You wouldn't kill them because you know murder's wrong, and you're not going to commit murder. But you'll belittle them with your tongue, and you'll cuss under your breath every time they're walking away from you. You see, no one does very well keeping the law perfectly. We all need grace. A grace that can only come through Jesus Christ. When Jesus came, he brought truth and he brought grace. He brought truth about who God is. God is holy. He also brought truth about who we are. That we're sinners. And he brought grace. An unlimited amount of grace. And a grace 
A grace that will never run out. Verse 16, what does it say? It says, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. From the fullness of Christ we have received grace upon grace. Blessing upon blessing. In other words, the grace of God is just overflowing for us. It really is an amazing grace we sing about. It is from above. And as long as there is breath in our body, as long as there is opportunity, as long as there is a moment, then that grace, that grace upon grace is available for all mankind. Let's back up now to verse 12. He says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You want to know what's so special about the grace of God? When you receive that grace through his son, through Jesus, God in the flesh who dwelt among us, when you receive his grace by believing in him and trying to walk in the light as he is in the light, then God, not by the will of man, not by the will of the flesh, by God, you will be made a part of his family. You, you are made a child of his by grace. Because Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, came to this earth and he dwelt among us. He is the Son of God. That is an eternal truth. And I hope all of us who are here today, watching online, I, I hope that, that eternal truth is deep in our soul, deep in our faith. Because it's, it's the foundation that upon so much of our spiritual life is built upon. If he is not truly the son of God, we're all wasting our time, okay? So believing he is the son of God should be a major part of our faith. So much so, it should really compel us how we live from day to day. Not just on Sundays like today where we come together to worship God. But even as we're living our life from day to day, knowing that God came in the flesh and dwelt among us, that, that He is the light of this world, that He has made us a part of the family of God by His grace, knowing these things should compel us to want to reflect His life. Because we're living in the same dark world He lived in while He was here. And we have a responsibility to reflect the light of the Son of God to the darkness that is this world around us. So be thinking about that before we leave here today. Be thinking about with this new week, if God blesses us with the next six days until we come back again together next Lord's Day, if He blesses us with that time, what will you do, what will I do to really let our light shine in this dark world over this next week? To live a life, you can never live a life worthy of the Son of God. But to live a life of appreciation for the Son of God.
A life that says, I understand what you've done for me. I want to live for you. Because I know you died for me. I know you've given me the hope of life everlasting. Be thinking about those friends and family that you want to invite. Be praying for them. Be inviting them. Be encouraging them to come. Be a part of this ongoing study together. Maybe that's where you start. Maybe that's where you begin to be that light in your dark world. It's simply by reaching out and saying, I'd love for you to come know Jesus. I'd love for you to just come, come worship with us as we worship God. Be a part of that with us. All of us have friends, family, neighbors. Maybe today, maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. Maybe you've never put them on in baptism. The water's ready today if you are. You talk about grace upon grace, that we have been afforded the opportunity to be forgiven of all of our past sins and become that child of God and heir of the kingdom. Absolutely amazing. If you never obeyed the gospel, do that today. I look around this assembly. The majority of us have. We, we have obeyed the gospel. Praise God for it. But have we been living a life that is a reflection of the God that purchased us with his own blood? Have we been living a life that's a reflection of someone who understands that they have been blessed by grace upon grace? And if not, why not? What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that's keeping you from really understanding how amazing grace of God is. That's something that we can help you with. That's something we can encourage you in. Why don't you come walk, stand and sit.